Hello folks, I'm Scott Turner from Seal Outdoors, and welcome back to Fish Story Podcast. Now I thought of fitting on episode 2 that I actually tell a fishing story, <laughs> hence the name. But uh, I was going to go back in the archives, but I just had this great trip down to Old Mexico and uh, caught top of my bucket list fish. And I'm excited to share this story with you today. So top of my bucket list is rooster fish. Now rooster fish are an amazing game fish. And, uh, you know, they grow to be about 60 pounds. They are, well, I'll tell you right now, it's the hardest fighting fish I've ever caught in my life. Pound for pound, it is the champ as far as I'm concerned. You know, they aren't really renowned for their uh, delicious flesh. I guess some people eat them. But uh, what they are renowned for is their dorsal fin. Their dorsal fin looks akin to a hackle on a rooster chicken. It's really cool. It's black. But there's like black and purple iridescent colors in them. They're... You know, they're, they're striped silver and black down the sides, and they are just cool fish, folks. And so it's been my mission to catch one for a while. Well, I'd done a lot of scouting, and I, you know, I'd watched a lot of uh, YouTube videos specifically, and I was seeing people catch them down in Costa Rica. Well, Costa Rica is a pretty long track. And then I came across these videos uh, made by Jensen. Now, Jensen's got a sporting goods shop down in Cabo right by the Walmart. And he's got a ton of great equipment in there. But he has these really great videos. And uh, he was catching these giant roosters down there. Him and uh, Cabo Surfcaster is another guy that was catching a bunch. And I believe Cabo Surfcaster actually does uh, beach guiding trips down there. I get like 100 bucks a day or something like that. I'm not sure what it is. But you can find them on YouTube. But I was seeing these guys and they were catching these giant roosters. And I wanted to get after them. Well, a round trip ticket to get down to Cabo is not that expensive. You actually fly into San Jose, and then it's about a 45-minute drive to Cabo. But uh, I was finding tickets for like $380. Well, this I actually have to reel it back a little bit because this story actually started in 2019 when I first booked a trip, and uh, I talked my good my good pal Dakota Miller into coming down with me. And uh, in May, we booked tickets to go in November. Well, it was actually kind of random because the one thing I could not figure out is what time of year to go down to get after these roosters. Like they, the dates were just all skewed. Nobody really said anything in the videos. So we're like, well, let's just go. You know, nothing else. This will be a scouting trip, which is actually what it wound up being first trip down. So, uh, we book our trips about five months out, which that's what I'd like to do. And this is a really great tip. If you want to cut down a cost, and you want to travel more, uh, book your tickets like five months out and really look at prices. You know, one of the best tools that I've found is the Expedia app. And I've, I've looked at a ton of apps. I've gone, tried to go straight through like Alaska Airlines, United. But for some reason, Expedia just seems to get really great deals. And that could change. But uh, they also have great deals on hotels, uh, shuttles, rental cars, all that stuff. So you can get all in one place. A lot of times you get bundle deals, you get better deals as well. But, you know, I would say if you're going to book a trip, watch those ticket prices for a month. Same with the hotels. They'll fluctuate almost daily. And, you know, like the hotel we got on actually the second trip that I'll talk about, um, we bought our uh, hotel rooms for like $72 a night. And I saw them fluctuate up within a day up to like $99. So if you just jumped on, bought a, bought a hotel room, you'd be paying an extra $20 a night. It's $140 for a week. That's a lot of tacos, my friends, to put in perspective. So, uh, 
anyways, I typically try to buy my tickets five months out. Um, and you'll, the other thing you want to do is look at your times. Like it, it shouldn't take more than about six and a half, seven hours to fly down there. If you're purchasing tickets for 11 hour flight, you're going to have some long layovers and nobody likes those. So we get down there in November and, uh, we really had no idea where to fish or anything. So we just go down and we start walking around the marina and just talk to some of the locals. And I'm telling you, these guys, they, as soon as you walk in the marina, they start cat calling you like, Senor, I want to go fishing. Do you want some cigars? Do you want some cocaine? I don't think I've ever been offered cocaine more times in my life. But they, you know, they, they were nice cocaine dealers. You know, they weren't pushy. And of course I did it all. No, just kidding. I've actually never even smoked a cigarette in my life, much less cocaine. So, but um, yeah, so you walk around and these people will definitely offer you some fishing trips. And I they, they would make great car salesmen back home. Because some of these guys, I mean, they'll get after you. And uh, just walk around the marina, ran into this guy, uh, one of the locals, his name is Christian Telez. And uh, we befriended him down there. And he was just kind of a laid back guy. You know, he was doing the same thing. He was he was trying to sell, uh, you know, charters. But just laid back dude. And uh, I, I really like that because most of the people down there are not like that. And uh, one of the things that he told me in Dakota, he's like, whatever you do down here, whatever, if you do get a charter, because we were just kind of hem-hawing around. We were really shopping is what we were doing. Um, he's like, don't get a panga boat. And a panga boat, typically about 22 foot long, open bow boat. And usually it's just one guy running on the boat. Well, we had no idea. So, of course, what do we do? We, we get a panga boat. Well, it was only like $175 for the two of us for half a day. And uh, we got the first day and we caught one mahi on the way back in. And I was pretty stoked about that. But, you know, Dakota didn't catch one. So we get the same boat for like the next day. We got the next day in the panga boat. And we catch nothing. We got skunked. Well, we come in and uh, just defeated, and we run into Chris. He's like, hey, do you guys go out on the boat today? So we're like, yeah, we just went out, and we got skunked, bud. He's like, man, that's rough. Because we're looking at all these other people that are that are just slated. Like, there's some boats that had 10, 11 mahi, caught a marlin, caught snapper, like all kinds of crazy stuff, and we caught nothing. But, I mean, that's fishing in itself. But uh, we learned a hard lesson right there. You get what you pay for. Well, Chris is like, he's like, here, I tell you what. He's like, I got a buddy of mine that's got a boat. Uh, he does charters and he doesn't have a client for Thursday. He's like, I can hook you up with a 28-foot Californian. Uh, there'll be a captain and then a mate. And it was like 350 bucks for half a day. And we're like, uh, you know what? Let's do it. How many times are we down in Cabo? So we jumped on that boat on Thursday morning and had a blast. And you could just tell from the get-go that the uh, the captain, the guides, like they knew what they're doing. Like everything they had was like streamlined, it was messy. And uh, one of the things that they did was they cruised out further than everybody else before they even started fishing. And so we got into some virgin water where nobody had really fished for. And right out of the gate, we started catching mahi. I think we put like five in the boat that day in fact at one point we had five on at one time it was just it was so much fun we uh we actually we did a, a youtube video on that as well and it turned out pretty good and those fish are so delicious oh my gosh one of the cool things you can do if you go down there is your fresh catches you can take them to these restaurants 
and we'll prepare them for you. And so we took a couple fillets of our mahi into a La Chatitas right there in the marina. And it's probably the best fish I've ever had in my entire life. It was so delicious. We went in there and they, uh, they deep fried it. They made taco, fish tacos. They made uh, ceviche. And they made this um, sushi with it where they, they cut it real thin and rolled it up over uh, um, cream cheese. And I think they probably sprinkled a little cocaine in there. I don't know. But uh, it was maybe the best sushi I ever had in my life. It was so amazing. So I highly recommend that. Um, and if you're looking at food in Cabo, find Tacos Goose. It's kind of a little hole in the wall, but it's really authentic. Uh, Mexican food down there. Super cheap. Really good. And then uh, the other place I would recommend is Taco Loco. It's right behind Cabo Wabo. And it's probably the best garlic shrimp you've ever had in your life. It's so good. So we had a super successful trip down there for catching mahi anyways. We didn't get any, no marlin and definitely no roosters. We'll come to find out after talking to all the locals. They're like, oh no, they're like, come down in the summer months. Because those, those uh, rooster fish, they like that warm water. They're like, come down in May, June, July. Now, August is a rainy month, so you're kind of rolling the dice if you come down in August. It's still warm. The roosters are there, but you could get rained out. So the second we came back and hit U.S. soil, I was already planning another trip. And so we planned a trip for early uh, 2020, May of 2020. And as you well know, COVID-19 hit, and that got canceled right now. And so I was super bumped out. And uh, just kind of watching the news, Mexico started opening back up in uh, early June. So as soon as I saw that they were opening back up in June, um, I was like, well, shoot. You know, I could go down in June because that's a busy work month. But I was like, how about I go down in July? And it's still going to be hot down there. It's still going to be roosters down there. So I talked my good pals, uh, Pete McBride and Sean Griffiths, into going down with me. And uh, I tell you, I had anxiety the entire time that this trip was going to get canceled until the point where I stepped foot in Mexico. I was like still worried that the plane was going to turn around and go back to the U.S. <laughs> but uh, we got down there and uh, this trip down, instead of getting a uh, rental car, which we kind of got hosed through Hertz, the trip before we went up paying like I think it was like $900 for our rental car. Like they added in all these fees that we didn't ask for. And they wrote down that we we were going to return the car at 1 a.m. in the morning instead of 1 p.m. as our flight was 4 p.m., which makes no sense. And they charged us like $300. Like we had to dispute it before we even got any of that money back. But it was ridiculous. So through the Expedia app, I got a shuttle down there for $108 round trip from San Jose into Cabo San Lucas to the hotel. And then they would pick us up on our uh, return day. And so that was much cheaper. And then the other thing I would tell you folks is if you go down there, use your Uber app, the same Uber app that you use here at home, use down there and it is super cheap. You know, all the, you know, all the drivers have five star ratings and they tell how many and there's comments, everything. So, uh, it was super safe and most of them speak broken English at least, but they can, they obviously know where to go when you choose a spot on the map, but you know, you go on a 10 mile Uber ride. It was like two bucks. Super, super cheap. I'll bet we didn't spend over $150 on the entire trip on transportation. It was much better. And that is a lot of tacos. <laughs> so, uh, 
we fly down there, take our shuttle into a Solmar resort, not to be mistaken for Grand Solmar. And uh, we nestled in. And this spot, it was perfect. I'd scouted this out as well. It's right on the neck of the peninsula that goes out to the arch. And I got the spot because I knew I could go right out the back door on the beach and I could fish there. And then the other side was the marina. So we could just walk into, go on all of our charters. You could walk into the, you know, there's bars, restaurants, whatever you want to do there. So it really, really saved us a ton of transportation. And if the fellows wanted to go sit in the pool and take naps, then that was fine. I was going fishing and I did. I fished every day down there. And I found some success right behind the uh, the hotel. Actually, I hooked a rooster there. One of the first roosters that I hooked was right there. And uh, he ripped out a ton of line. And uh, I lost him. But I, we caught a couple big giant jack creval. We caught some giant hawkfish. They live right on the rocks. They're just a gnarly. They look like a bluegill on mutagen or something. Like They were so cool looking. Big old teeth. And I caught a few of those. But... Uh, I really wanted to get after some uh, rooster fish. Well, one of the big tactics that I use that has worked everywhere is when you're trying to figure out how to catch some fish DIY, if you can't get all your information from somebody or through YouTube, the best way to get it is to get a charter. So I had reserved a charter for the second day we're down there. And uh, we cruised down through the Sea of Cortez, which was where the captain thought that we had the best chance of catching a rooster. And uh, we cruised down the the uh the surf down see a cortez side and we don't see anything we don't see any bait balls and that's what you're looking for down there there's these huge bait balls of mullet these fish that they just they school up and they kind of stay in shore and all these big predator fish feed on them and you gotta imagine it, these mullet they're like they're like six to eight inches long like they're decent sized fish they're real slender they got like a black stripe down the side and kind of a sucker fish looking mouth but everything loves to eat them down there. And if you find those bait balls, then you're going to find the other fish too. Well, we don't find any of those the first day. And in fact, the only fish we caught that day was we we started trolling after we gave up on the roosters and uh, Griffey caught a nice, uh, um, it, it was a Spanish mackerel is what it was. And we kept that for a ceviche later. So we cruise in and uh, that's kind of a bummer. We didn't find them, but we could ride off the Sea of Cortez for fishing. Well, I uh, reserved another charter for two days later. So then we cruise up the Pacific side to see if the roosters are there. And I got some intel from Jansen. I emailed him and he said that that's where the roosters were. They'd migrated north. So we got on the charter. Uh, this is like day four in Mexico. And we cruise up the Pacific coast. And we started getting into like some snappers and some other fish up there. And then late in the day, sure enough, we're cruising along this beach that I was very familiar with from the trip before that I, me and Dakota had fished and we caught Spanish mackerel. I caught a stingray. We caught all kinds of crazy fish. So I don't even know what the heck they were. It was just so cool. But we find this giant bait ball like right at the end of our charter. And we got into it. We started fishing for them. And uh, I actually, we had some live bait. We had some live mullet. And you could see these fishes coming and just smashing this bait ball. There was a bunch of big jack cravals. There was some roosters. Someone right by the boat. And it was super cool to see. And uh, I waited till this rooster came up and he was attacking these mullet. And I flipped a live mullet in there. And I just watched him engulf this thing. And I flipped my reel so I can let him swallow it down. 
And I was just about ready to flip the reel back over and lay into him. And I just see my line floating through the air. I'm like, what in the heck is going on? I was using 50 pound braid on the spinning rod that I brought down there that I was fishing off the front of the boat with. And the captain said that a needlefish came up and was trying to steal a bait away and bit my line in half. I'm like, what are the odds of that? So that was a bummer. Well, that was like the end of the day. So we cruised back in and we didn't catch any roosters that day. But the silver lining in this was I had found where the big giant mullet bait balls were and the roosters. And I knew this beach. So I talked to my buddy Christian Telez. And uh, he's a, he's the same guy that hooked, hooked us up with all of the, the good charters. And in fact, if you want to get a hold of him, uh, you can find him on Instagram at uh, Chris underscore Cabo. And uh, he can hook you up with some great deals on some charters down there. And in fact, my buddy's uh, Pink Griffey went on like an adventure day. And they went out and rode ATV side-by-sides. They did bungee jumping, did this big swing across this big canyon. And uh, they just had a blast, and they got a great deal on it. They saved like 600 bucks in the whole day. And uh, But definitely look him up, and uh, if, if you tell him Scott sent you, he will definitely hook you up down in Cabo San Lucas. He's a great dude. Laid back, great guy to have a cold, uh, uh, you know, cerveza with. But anyways, I hit him up, and he was... Uh, he told me, he goes, I'll give you a ride up to this beach in the morning if you'd like. I'm like, heck yeah. So first thing in the morning, Chris drives up there with me and him and his boy came out and they walked down the beach with me for a while. And uh, we had to walk down probably about a mile and a half, two miles. And sure enough, that bait ball is still there. So I get down there and I brought two rods. So I bought one from Jansen's. I bought this really nice six piece, uh, 12 foot uh, cobble surf caster from Jansen's, which I can put in my luggage so now when I travel like that, I don't have to bring an extra rod case. I can just put it in my luggage, which is really convenient and it's going to save a ton of money. But I had two poles. I had one to snag with and then one I had a single hook on. So I was a little reluctant to use the braid on fishing. So I had two reels, one with 40-pound mono on it. I had 200 yards on it. And so I had the single hook on there and then I was snagging with my other rod that had the braid on it. So I snag a mullet and uh, I put that thing on the single hook. And one of the big tricks were, was that you really wanted to get those mullet back in the water really quick because they would die super easy. So I hook up the mullet, walk down, and I'm just kind of dunking them in the water, keeping them alive. And I see these two giant roosters like ripping through this wave, coming my way. And I flip that thing out there and it looked like dynamite hit the water. And this rooster just smashes this mullet. I free spool for about two seconds, let him swallow it, and then I land to him. And this thing like launches in the air and heads for Australia and never stopped. Like literally never stopped. He ripped out 200 yards of monofilament. Like it was in seconds. I saw the bottom reel and I put the brakes on him and busted my line. And I was so defeated. Like literally knees in the sand, head down. Just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just lost the rooster of my dreams. And it was perfect. Had camera rolling, everything. And Chris was right there. And he's like, oh, I was super bombed. Well, he couldn't hang out. So he takes off. And I actually take a little cat nap. I like, I was, I was defeated. I just sat down in the sand and the bait ball actually kind of dispersed a little bit. And the roosters like took off. So 
I just took a little break, regrouped, and uh, was just kind of wondering what I should do because it was like midday. It was like right in the middle of the day. And uh, there were some rocks that were further down, about another half mile down that I fished before. And I was like, well, you know what? I'll walk down there and see what's down there. Maybe it'll be a big bait ball by those rocks. Or if nothing else, I can fish those rocks and maybe there's some hawkfish. And I know there's some snappers that hang out around those things. So I'll fish for something. I'll make the best this day. Well, I walked down there and there was the biggest bait ball and mullet you've ever seen in your life. Like it was enormous. And instantly I get down there and there's roosters just blowing this thing up. It was, it was something to behold. It was just awesome. Like I could not go down there and snag a mullet fast enough to use for bait. Well, I get down there, snag a mullet. And the first thing I catch is, uh, I caught a big giant needlefish, like four feet long. And those things are pretty cool. But as I'm reeling a needlefish, like there's roosters right behind. I'm just smashing bait. So I rip this thing in, throw them back in. And, uh, I pick up my rod that has the treble hook on it. It's got the 50 pound braid on it. And I cast out and I snag this mullet and I'm reeling him in and just out of the bait ball, this big giant rooster comes up and just smashes this thing and just engulfs this whole bait. Now you got to imagine this treble hook I'm using is not small at all. Like it's seriously like three, like nine knot hooks, like welded together, basically giant treble hook. I brought down there specifically to snag bait. And this thing just swallows it and it takes off. And I already like instantly have anxiety about it because I'm like, Oh my gosh, I hope this break could hold up because I'd been having trouble with it. I had that needlefish bite it in half. And then I'd had a couple Jack Carval over in the beach by Solmar break my line, just setting the hook. Cause anybody that's ever fished with me knows I, I learned the old Roland Martin way. Like I rip lips, like I set the hook and you can't do that with braid. You'll snap it. And so I was like super scared. I was going to break my line on this thing. So he takes off ripping out line. Well, he didn't fight nearly as hard as the other fish, which I'm a little bit thankful for, but I think it's because that hook was so big and he swallowed it so deep down that he, he couldn't, I don't think he could breathe very good or something. And uh, I fought him for about 10 minutes and I finally get this thing in and just coming in the, like when it got in the waves, like that's one of the things you have to time the waves to get your fish in because it just there there's huge waves on that pacific side and uh you just have to be patient and finally he comes in and i grab that thing and i almost broke down like i i was so so happy to catch this fish to finally put my hands on it to do it the way i wanted to to do it diy on the beach was it i was on cloud nine i'm still in cloud nine from the whole thing and i take some pictures of this thing he was just so beautiful and i wouldn't even have thought of killing him and I, I get that big treble hook out of his mouth which i'll bet he was super happy to get out of there and uh i release him wave my goodbye well the fish are still blowing up that bait ball so i'm like well i just caught one on live bait so i'm gonna try and catch one on a lure so i throw on one of jansen's cabo killers it's this bait that you cast it out and you skip it right on top of the water so you're trying to emulate a fish that's trying to escape and i picked out i believe it's a three ounce it was silver and gray. So I was trying to match those mullet out there is what I was trying to do. And uh, I just waited until a bunch of those fish converged on the bait ball and just started exploding on eating them. And I cast right in the middle of it and I'm skipping across. And this is like maybe 10 minutes after I just caught that one rooster and bam, I hook another giant. Well, this dude, I just get him in the lip. And that dude turned around and was like headed for a port in Japan. Like he 
he ripped out 250 yards of line like it was nothing. Well, I only got 300 yards of line on this braid. Like now I realize I can use the braid. I started using that. I don't want to get spooled again. Well, this dude is just about to spool me. And I finally, like I'm getting low in line and I turn this dude around and bring him back in. And uh, I land this fish on the cobble killer. And I was just so stoked and so appreciative. And it's one of those moments like when you go down it and you just like conquer the thing that you've been seeking out for so long, especially when it's top of your bucket list. Like it does not, it doesn't get any better. I'm still so stoked about it and uh, really appreciative. Uh, Chris helped me out, give me a ride down there as a, well, I'd, I'd had to take an Uber ride over there and it was right behind the, the hard rock hotel is a place that I was fishing down there. And uh, that place is super expensive. I had actually looked into uh, buying a hotel or getting a hotel room at the Hard Rock, but I think it was like 300, 350 bucks a night. I'm like, eh, I can cap it down there or I'll walk. <laughs> Much more expensive. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, it was only two o'clock in the afternoon. My arms were just spent from catching those two fish. And I was just in this euphoria and I just sat there in the sand and I just watched him just smash that bait ball. I, I packed my drone down there and I took some amazing footage that if I can ever get this thing edited, I've got a great video that I'm going to have out on YouTube and you can watch these giant roosters. I mean, I think at one point there was like 12 of them converging on this bait ball. It's amazing. And uh, I just sat there and watched them. Took some videos, took my time walking back down the beach and uh, it was just amazing. It was, it, it was literally a magical day in the sand right there. And I'm, I could probably go down there 20 more times and never have that happen again. But who knows? I still have some unfinished business down there. I still haven't caught a, a Cabrera snapper or a marlin. So, yeah, old Cobbleson Lucas will meet again. And I'll definitely hit up old Chris to help get those things, those things done. But uh, I really hope you folks enjoyed the podcast. And uh, I hope you tune in for the next one. Thanks for listening.